Hello, everybody. Welcome to this week's episode of Beware of the Board, a horror podcast where we watch a randomly selected horror movie every week. I'm Bob. And I'm Ben. And we're back, baby! Yeah. I hope everyone had a good Valentine's Day. We put out an episode. It was awesome. I love that movie so much that I bought the steel case for it. Yep. And going even further, I made a promise on the show. I Was it on the show or was it afterwards? No, it was on the show. I just, you know what? I finished editing that a while ago. I that remember. I, that I'd go and find uh, Moosehead Beer. And so I went out the next day. Bob will attest. I sent him a picture. <laughs> he texted me. Of a six-pack of Moosehead Lager. And I brought a bottle here. I want to try it because I'm not that big into beer. But because I like that movie and I think it's really fun. I, do you know how to use a bottle opener, Ben? Yeah, where's the bottle opener on this fucker? I got it. Hold on, this would be good ASMR. Oh, that's fucking weird. Oh, that sounded so fucking well, crisp uh, in my headphones. I always have, like, one of the classic ones, you know, the... Like the flat ones? Yeah. Yeah, that's what Jesse has. Oh, I can open a bottle open like a bottle with a piece of paper. Okay, that sounds like bullshit. No, you no. You made that up. No, because you, if you hold the bottle in your hand mm-hmm. and, like, wrap your finger around the tip, as long as you have something flat and firm, you can lever off the cap. Huh. So you can use, like, a piece of paper, a fork. That's cool. Anything. This stuff, it it looks Canadian, man. So it's a lager. That's, mm-hmm. like, the traditional one. For it's anyone who doesn't know, it's the oldest, like, independent brewery in Canada. Yeah, super cool. 1867. It- now, it's a lager. It's basically, like, I think it's, like, a better Budweiser. Not a Bud Light, but it's just, like, traditional Budweiser. Bud gross. Because it's uh, 5%. That is the best beer I've ever had. <laughs> Unironically. I mean, it, it, again, it's the same type of beer as a, a Budweiser. Yeah, but, like, it doesn't taste like shit. Are you thinking, like, a a real Budweiser or, like, Bud Light? No, a real Budweiser. Yeah, it's a lot... It's higher quality. (laughs) It's way better. I don't drink a lot of beer. I'm I'm more of a a cocktail man myself. Like, I like a good Moscow Mule. I drink a lot of beer. But I drink, like, stouts and stuff Mm -hmm. like that. Uh, Yeah, Benjamin is... Usually high percentage. I don't want to say pretentious about his alcohol, but he has some thoughts. I've heard some tales. Pretentious is a word, yeah. Particular, I I think, is the word. Particular is a little better. I... I brew alcohol for fun. Mm-hmm. Like that's a I do homebrew, so and that's that's actually really good. I like to try a bunch of stuff so I can be like, ah, I've had that. that I like Saint Germain. I've had Saint Germain. Yeah, we've we talked about. I don't know on the podcast, but we've talked about Saint Germain before. That's the elderflower mm-hmm. liqueur. Super good if you just have like some bubbly water. Yeah, that's what you were telling me. Good way to get really, really, really drunk though, because it's it's basically like a, a sugared syrup you put in a soda, mm-hmm. except. Like forty percent plus alcoholic. Oh my god! And so you pour a lot of syrup in there, like you're making a soda, and you put soda water, and it's essentially an alcoholic soda. See, that sounds tasty. It's so good. Oh man! Actually, my friend Mason is uh, brewing his own mead right now. Yeah, I got one in my um, my room. I need the bottle because it's been sitting for like six months at this point. Oh lord! No, no. So that's fine. So it's in. Um, sorry, we're getting into alcohol stuff. It's in secondary fermentation. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No. Yeah, secondary fermentation. So basically, it is sitting and clarifying right now. Mm-hmm. So it went through primary. Yeah, I think Mason just made basic ass like honey mead, and Jesse, one of my other friends, he was like, "You should make like juniper berry mead from Skyrim." And last night when we were hanging out, uh, he Jesse brought out a tin of juniper berries and was like, "Eat one. They taste terrible. Yeah, Why would you great. eat one?" He was uh, like, "Oh, they taste so good." And I was like, "This tastes like someone took a pine cone, scooped up some dirt, and then fed it to me." I kind of like juniper berries, but then again, I like more like those kind of I don't know pine scents mm-hmm. and stuff. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It was very soapy as well. I felt it, at least it's just because we associate that scent and flavor with soap and stuff. Yeah, uh, they they make um what's it called? 
not pine. It's it's one of the types of pine. Pine tar, maybe? No, it's it's not pine though. It's um there's a certain beer you can get that's like oh. made from a, a conifer. That's kinda cool. Fur? Ah, no. I'm trying I'm trying. I don't know a lot about the trees. <clears throat> that was my uh rapidly typing noise. <laughs> uh I like that we're fucking day drinking. It's one it's almost not even one it's PM. Five PM somewhere. It's five PM somewhere. If you're watching this at five PM, have a drink with us. Spruce beer. Oh. Oh, like a birch like birch beer. Yes, it's a sort of. So like spruce beer it, it's um like an old kind of colonial thing, but it comes from uh Native Americans and stuff. Oh, and that's cool. Basically they would take spruce needles and all that stuff and if you essentially soak the needles in water. There's a ton of, like, vitamin C and a bunch of other vitamins in it. That's actually and, really cool. Uh, people in colonial times were like, ah, oh, health benefits. It keeps us from getting sick. <laughs> they didn't really know what. But they were like, oh, we're not getting scurvy anymore. They're like, let's put it in beer. Oh. that's probably uh, Which, right. downside, when you they made it for beer, they boiled the the absolute shit out of the spruce, which kind of destroys a lot of the a lot of the good stuff. The vitamin C and mm-hmm. stuff in there. All right. But it's like a very woody flavored beer probably pretty tasty anyways glad you like some moose head yeah this is actually good i was worried that i wasn't gonna like it which is kind of a running track record when you bring things on and i try them on the show i usually don't like them what have you tried that i brought eggnog oh yeah that's the only one thing that's the one well i but mean 100 thing that like i didn't like it first and it just grew on me because it, it's very yeah. much a holiday thing yeah that's completely fair i like beer though this is a good beer. This, I I mean, it's a it's a very good, I think, entry-level beer for Like, I could lager. see myself actually just drinking this regularly, unlike other beer. Like, I remember the first time I ever had, like, a Bud Light. I literally vomited. Oh, I was no. like, that's foul. Most Who American beers, this? hot take, are not good. No, they're not good. They're made to be cheap and low alcohol content so that you can drink a lot without getting drunk. Mm-hmm. Uh, in fact, I think... I'm not sure if this is the case anymore, but I heard uh, back in the day that like American beer was illegal in Germany. <laughs> That's wild. Like you just couldn't sell it there because it'll why. destroy the beer culture. There's really really strong. Oh yeah, like they for have sure. a bunch of purity laws for like what grains you can use mm-hmm. in alcohol. But anyways, if they had like stuff like American beer, it destroy the economy for beer. Yeah, we learned about that actually in my German class that I took because part of it is learning about the culture. But and that yeah, was a big thing. But American beer is so much cheaper; you can drink so much more of it mm-hmm. versus like a you know a German lager might be like ten percent. So yeah, can't really drink a lot of those. I mean, you can if you're used to it. I mean, sure. I mean, the only other beer that I've had, like, that wasn't Americans, technically Corona comes from Mexico. Yeah, but that's kind of that same yeah style. Mm-hmm. So same they're called um, session beers, which is just a fancy word of saying it's half the percent that thing's supposed to have. Oh, I see. So, like, a Bud Light is like close to 2.5%. I was about to say, Bud Lights are, like, nothing. And then they even go lower, but... Yeah, they don't taste good because when you go for that low alcohol content, you get rid of the fermentation, which is how you get a lot of the a lot of the flavor. Yeah, super off topic. I mean, yeah. Listen, um, we always open the show with a conversation about something, and this time it just happened to be beer. But you know, alcohol is fun. I'm going to a <laughs> beer fest in March. Are you really? Oh yeah, <laughs> that's a that's a fun thing. <laughs> like you want to peel back the curtain on that one? The first weekend in March, I'm going to an ale festival uh, down here in Louisville, uh, the Tailspin Ale Festival. I've been before, mm-hmm. but I got I got tickets from my dad for Christmas. Oh, that's nice. So I'm probably gonna get pretty pretty drunk. Yeah, just because if you've never been to a a beer festival, I know Bob, you haven't. I have not. They're very fun if you like beer. Which Bob, you don't really like beer. Not really. This is the only beer that I've really been like. This is pretty good. The best way to get used to it is to go with like a light flavor one, like a lager like this. Drink it for a while till you get used to it. And then get stronger flavors like a stout, like a Guinness. Mm-hmm. Oh, Jesse are, loves Guinness. Drink. 
drink a couple more of these, get used to it, and then try a Guinness. A Guinness is pretty light in flavor and pretty smooth, so it's a good entry to, like, darker beers. Mm-hmm. But once you like beers, and like, but, like, beers that have different flavors and stuff, ale festivals are great because basically all the local breweries from an area come. So the Tealspin, there's, like, 30 or 40. Oh, that's really cool. And each one has a booth that has like three to maybe five or six different beers at that booth. They give you a cup and you just pay for entry and you it's unlimited beer for as that long is as the festival's dangerous. Going. It's very dangerous. It's very, Sounds very, like a very blast, dangerous. Though. It's a lot of fun if you like beer because they have things that are like, if you were to buy, like A, you can't find in bottles. Mm-hmm. Uh, but some of the stuff, if you were to buy it as like a pint at their brewery yeah, or in bottles would be very, very expensive. Oh, dude. I know. Because it's like the small batch stuff. Mm-hmm. Me and uh, me and Jesse went to uh, Georgia for a concert. This was back in oh, April last year. And we went, drove past Tennessee. And on the way through Tennessee, we saw a sign in Chattanooga that was like, hey, we sell Moon Pie beer. Yeah. And me and Jesse were like, well, we have to stop. We have to get a case of Moon Pie beer. So we stopped and we got uh, a four pack of cans of Moon Pie beer. I personally did not like it very much. It was way too bitter for me. But Jesse loved it. Yeah, it was a stout, right? Yeah, it's a stout. Pretty bitter sometimes. But there's also, like, really, really cool stuff that local breweries will do that's, like, super um, niche flavor-wise. I assume they'll have, it, like, this festival and stuff, right? Yeah, it depends on, like, who's there. Uh, but, yeah, usually they bring some of their more popular ones and mm-hmm. then sometimes some small batch stuff. Uh, but sometimes those real small batch stuff, A, you can usually only find it at a brewery, but it's very expensive sometimes. Mm-hmm. So, like, the last time I went to the Tailspin, they had, like, this really good sour cherry beer. Mm. Super good. But, like, things I've saw, brewery that's local. Uh, Gallant Fox, mm-hmm. really great. We should go there at some point. Okay. They had like a bourbon barrel aged apricot beer. <laughs> that just sounds delicious. Super expensive though. Um, yeah, I think we paid like forty bucks for eight cans of the Moon Pie beer. Oh my god. Yeah. Well, because they only make it there. Like it's licensed by Moon Pie. Oh, like, it is that's officially why. Moon Pie I was beer. Say, that's way overpriced because they have um Gallant Fox, mm-hmm. which is local, has a Moon Boots one, which is just Moon Pie. Mm, yeah, but a lot cheaper. You want to go to the the brewery after recording this? <laughs> after recording? Yeah. This I, this one episode. I don't know. I don't know. This is a long intro. <laughs> no, we're only thirteen minutes in. Okay. We're good. I'm sorry. That's not too bad. No, I mean, w- listen. I like alcohol or yeah. beer at least and I mean, stuff. We gotta talk about um, some things. Listen, it, I haven't seen you in a day. <laughs> it's been a I long know. time. It's forever. Oh my god. All right, Benjamin. <sighs> yeah. Oh yeah. We're doing a podcast. Uh. Anything interesting happened to you this week, Bob? Uh, not really. Nothing interesting this week, Benjamin. I think we've gone on long enough. I want to choose a movie. Really? Uh, did anything interesting happen to me? I had like two or three papers due this weekend. See, I knew your answer was going to be school because on Friday you didn't speak to me. You barely spoke to me on Friday, and I went, "Ben's having a terrible time." Oh yeah, <laughs> I was just kind of like, I don't know. Friday and Thursday at work, I just put on my my headphones for about the whole night which our nights are about the nights we spend inside not driving which are when i have my headphones on about six hours yeah so i listened to ben folds both nights for about 12 hours in total i was sitting there and i was looking at you know i was like i don't even i don't think i should disturb this man he looks he looks at peace with himself i'm just gonna talk to somebody else i was grooving listen i wasn't gonna interrupt but i was just kind of like i need to drown out life right now (laughs) it was yeah well i mean at least work wasn't bad right like friday wasn't wasn't terrible got sent home early it was nice you know not horrible. All right. But. Podcast, right? Yeah, podcast stuff. What episode are you picking? I had a really good time with Demons last episode. I'm going to be honest. Like, I that movie, let's just say I was looking at the Blu-ray for that too, but I didn't buy it. Uh, I, I Emily guess Rose? I, yeah. You liked it? Mm-hmm. 
Yeah. Good I, demon choice? Yeah, it was it was good. I'm, I'm having a really good time. Very different from The Exorcist, right? Oh, very, very different. Oh, I don't, oh you just made me angry. You reminded oh, me of yeah. that. We should talk about that here. Cause no, 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 no. No. We're talking about it. No. Yes. Oh, my God. So, I think that was Friday. You came up to me and were like, I heard about The Exorcist remake. I got mad. I'm pissed <laughs> off. I'm so upset. Basically, for anyone who doesn't know, I think it's Blumhouse yeah. is remaking The Exorcist. Mm-hmm. The director, do you know his name? No, I don't remember his name. Uh, I read the article, but I don't remember. You can look it up. I'm looking it up right now. David Gordon Green. First of all, I've never heard of this man. Anyways, actually, I'm going to see what he's done. Yeah, I want to see what else he's done. He wa- <laughs> He apparently mentioned that he was remaking The Exorcist with uh, Blumhouse. Yeah, it, they weren't. They hadn't announced that yet. He just said it in an interview. Which I assume he's... Probably in hot water before. Uh, But what was his comment exactly he made about it? He basically made a comment about how he thinks he could make a way better movie. Like, super cocky. Which is... I've said it on this podcast, I'll say it before. I think that movie is nearly perfect. Yeah, I mean, I I get saying, like, there's a difference in sensibility between, what, 1960-something? No, oh no, it was, uh, oh god. 60-70, no, it was like 73. Are you sure? Yes. You know what? This is what notes are for. <laughs> yeah, this is what they're for. I'd never remember shit like I'm Let's bad go to season dates. two, they live inside. The Exorcist, 1973. 73? I was right. I get a difference in sensibility and, like, different movies are scary. That's fair. And, like, The Exorcist, unless you watch it when you're young and you're not exposed to, like, modern sensibilities before, mm-hmm. it's not too scary. It's suspenseful. Surely. I think it does suspense very well. But it's not very scary. And I could get going, hey, I'm remaking this film. I think I can make it a lot scarier for my audience. And that's okay to say, but that is not what he said. But that film is, like, near perfect. It might not be scary anymore. No. But it is very, very, very well done. Oh, yeah. All right. So, things he's directed, right? Yeah. Uh, he did Halloween Ends, Halloween Kills, oh, and Halloween. Oh, no! Those 20, the new ones. Get out of here. This is going to, if this movie's bad, I'm going to be so fucking angry. See, that's the thing. Like, you know what? <sighs> I can say, give him the benefit of the doubt. It's a very cocky way to phrase things, and I don't agree with that because... That's a high bar you're setting out for yourself. That's what I'm saying, man. You shouldn't do that. Like, you're setting yourself up to fail. Like, that's all you're doing when you're saying shit like that. Because it's one of the highest grossing films of all time. <laughs> Didn't you do the math and it was, like, number nine? So and that's with, like, I, I the lower it. budget, right? I Googled it and saw if, like, there was someone accounting for inflation. Mm-hmm. Someone accounted for inflation and it was, like, number nine for the highest grossing films of all time. But the number they had for the box office was different than the number I had. It was lower. Mm-hmm. And if it would had been higher, it would have been higher ranked. With that being said, a lot of those really high-grossing films are much older than Exorcist because, mm-hmm. like, Snow White, which one of the first yeah full-length animated films, uh, and they don't really have good numbers on that. But point being, Exorcist's great. It did amazing in the box office. He's setting himself up probably for failure. Like, I'm gonna watch it in theaters. Don't get oh, me wrong. I'm gonna go watch it. Bob and I will probably go. Watch it. Yeah, I think we're gonna we wanna go watch it in theaters because that's one of those things where it's like I want to see that in theaters. Yeah, because if it's good, it's gonna be incredible. Now we haven't watched the film in theaters yet. Mm-mm. We've talked about this it. podcast. I'm gonna put this out here now. I don't know if Bob will cut this depending, but I I think my idea for watching a film in theaters is that we'll come back and do like kind of maybe an initial reaction. I think that I think that works. And then eventually, if we think it's a good podcast episode, we'll decide, you know, when we're doing an initial Mm -hmm. episode, uh, we'll probably come back buy the Blu-ray eventually and then do like a special on it. Yeah. Well, aren't they isn't the um, the 50th anniversary of the original coming out this year, right? Is it 1973? 2023. Yeah. Yeah. 
50th anniversary that, of the original yeah. is coming out. I'll probably buy that when it comes out. <laughs> sure you will. Listen, man. I, I guess I didn't mention this on the podcast. I've been kind of on a Blu-ray kick lately because oh, I've I been know. enjoying. They're so it. expensive. They're expensive, but I'm I have <laughs> some extra income laying around, so I'm like, you know what? These movies are sick. See, my thing with Blu-rays, right? Yeah, is they as a medium are getting older. Like I don't know when the first Blu-ray came out, but it was probably in the noughties, right? Oh, probably because the PlayStation Three had Blu-ray player. Right. Which do you know when that came out? Like 2014. No, yeah. 2013. That wouldn't be the naughty, so. 2012. But still, like Blu-ray is probably 2000 to 2010s, mm-hmm. and yeah. I just want them to update the format so I don't like invest a lot of money into like Blu-ray format. That's fair. And then have it change because like I see we're at that point where I don't know what would be next. Yeah, I don't um, really know either. I guess maybe SD cards. Oh, maybe that'd be wild. I mean, it makes sense though. It does. You can make a cheap SD card that holds like. 234 gigabytes, but I do think they're important because I don't know if I've had this talk with you, but like we buy a lot of movies digitally here. Yeah, because it's easier. That's easier for us. However, you don't really own those movies. Yeah, and you know streaming platforms and stuff can essentially remove the licensing for them whenever they want. So then it's removed from your library, even though you purchased it. Or they could change scenes in it, which is mm-hmm. even weirder. That is really strange. That one actually like is weird to me. And I think there's not just issues of like ownership, but issues of lost media that happen when yeah. that happens. So I think buying Blu-rays is important. I just don't want to invest the money in See, that medium. I'm willing to invest the money on movies No, and I it like, works out. On movies I enjoy. Uh, to spoil what I bought, I got the steel case for Mighty Bloody Valentine, which I already talked about. You didn't show me a picture of it. Oh, I didn't. You're right. I'll pull it up. Uh, I bought Terrifier on Blu-ray because I that's the first movie we ever did for the podcast, and I was like, I have to own that. You bought Terrifier 2, right? I also bought Terrifier 2 for when we do that. Which we could stream, though. We could, but I want to own it. I know. That's fine, too. Splinter, I got that because I think that movie is so cool. Uh, Let's see. I think that's it. I already own Blood Quantum on Blu-ray. You bought Blood Quantum, yeah. I've had that for a while. <laughs> Are you going to buy Blood Rage? <laughs> Blu-ray. <laughs> I don't know if you can find Blood Rage I on Blu-ray. I don't want to own Blood Rage on Blu-ray. People will think I'm a fucking weirdo. No, see, the benefit of owning Blu-ray movies, uh, and maybe we'll do something with this eventually, extra content. Oh, yeah. I think that'd be really fun. I'm not sure what we'll do with Blu-rays. I assume we'll do something eventually when we want to rewatch movies. We'll kind of figure that out. Yeah. Bro, look uh, at that's the a fucking thing. steel case on that. That is so goddamn cool. Oh, my God. That's so cool. <laughs> it's awesome. And it has all the extras, so it has, like, the director commentary, it has interviews with the actors, it has the three minutes of extra cut footage. So, yeah, that'll be really, really cool. I want to watch the extra foot cut footage. Yeah, it's the original one? Mm-hmm. It's the 81. I almost bought 3D, because we talked about maybe watching it, but I, eh. We'll watch My Blade of Valentine's 3D at some point. Um, eventually, we're going to do, like, a probably a remake category or something. Yeah, because there's a lot of movies that we haven't really touched the remakes yet. It just hasn't happened. Yeah. See, that's the thing. Some remakes are good. Some are bad. A yeah. lot are bad. Mm-hmm. But some of them are just, they're still worth watching, mm-hmm. even if they're bad. Yeah. I just don't know when to put them in. Oh, I also, I don't know if I said this. I bought Terrifier 2, but I bought the collector's edition of it, so it has all the extra shit, oh, too. Oh, that's cool. Yeah. Because we can stream it on Screenbox. It's on there. I know, but, but you know. If we got the extras. Mm-hmm. Mm. Yeah, man. See, that's the thing, though. Do we react to the extras on the podcast because we're just doing an episode viewing, or do we wait until we do a rewatch for it? Mm, good question. We'll figure that out eventually. We'll talk about it later. Um, Behind-the-scenes stuff. This has been a long intro, Bob. Uh, yeah, we're at about 25 minutes. Yeah, and we haven't even chose the episode. Nope. Uh, let's see, let's see, let's see. Like I was saying, I had a good time with Demons. I've been having a really good time with that. But we're down to one spot in Demons, right? Yes, it is spot number three. And then we have one spot in Mockumentary. Spot number two. And then for Parasites, we have two spots. Yes, it's spot one and three. Hmm, good question. 
You want me to pick mockumentary. I know you do because you I like guess. you like the category. I like the category. I, I also like the category, but I've had a horrible experience see, both times. My thing with like pseudo documentaries as a category is that it's my category, so I'm not not necessarily like proud, but I'm excited to see your reactions mm-hmm. to those films. Yeah. So I'm just kind of like impatient about it. Although I picked all the films on here, it's just that yeah, you know. Let's. Uh, you know what? I'm breaking my I'm breaking my streak. We haven't done the same category two weeks in a row. I want to watch another demon movie. Okay. <laughs> I want to see what you have in store because I have had a, you know, I was super worried when we did this board, when we set up this board because I don't like parasites. I know I don't like demons, but we haven't watched a demon movie that is scary in the way that I expect it to be scary. Fair the enough. closest we had was uh, Emily Rose, but I don't think that movie is very scary. It just has a lot of the elements that I expected. In, in my defense, I think that's kind of because my goal with picking movies is to get a broad view of the genre. Mm-hmm. So I yeah I like yeah. There's other films that are like Emily Rose where they debate the topic of exorcisms. Mm-hmm. Um, the Last Exorcism is a very good example of that style, but I didn't put it on here because I was like that's too similar. All right. Well. What but. is the last category, last movie in Demons, Benjamin? The last movie in Demons is The Taking of Deborah Logan. <laughs> oh, no, okay. Oh, Never heard of it? No, I don't know what this is. I've okay. literally never heard of it. You ready for the description? Oh, wait, hold on, hold on, hold on. I, I was worried that it was going to be hereditary for a second. Just no. putting that out there. Oh, yeah. Bob got hereditary <laughs> spoiled for him. Oh, mega he's spoiled. he's a bastard, man. Mega spoiled. Had no idea. I was on Twitter again. Yeah, so... uh. I told Bob he should get off horror Twitter. And no, he was no, no. Like, I was listen. Not I showed you the tweet. That straight up wasn't my fault. Yes, it was, Bob. Okay, I'm putting this out here. I have like uh, an alarm for spoilers when I I can get like a little peek and then my brain goes, oh, that's a spoiler for something. Don't look. Right? Bob doesn't have. I don't that. have any. So he saw a spoiler for it, like that said what happens in the movie. Mm-hmm. It's not a lot. We can still watch the movie. Yeah. I just probably won't go on the podcast for a long, long time. Because of this. Damn it. I want to watch it. You're a bastard, it. man. It's a cool movie, apparently. It's very, it's very good. it's very good. Even with the spoiler, you're still going to shit your pants. Oh, fuck. But, how do I put this? Like, he read kind of the big, it's not a spoiler, like, it's not a jump scare, but he read the big, like, surprise in the film. Yeah. He went, oh, what is this from? And then scrolled down and read. I now, what he should have done is he just went, oh, this sounds like a movie, and then no, didn't no, look. No, 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 no. I didn't. It didn't sound like a movie. It sounded like it happened to the person tweeting about it, and I went, "That's crazy, Bob." Bob, the things described in that tweet do not happen to real people. You should have known. <laughs> You're right. I'm sorry. Anyway, I'm back to saying, the movie. Just for future reference. Well, I was worried because... Because you're end- not going to get off Twitter, so you might as well try and, like, control yourself. I, I'm, You know what? Okay. Anyway. That's fair. Back to the taking of Deborah Logan. First of all, the name is very cool. Oh, yeah. It's such a cool name. It's a very cool name. This, sound, this sounds like the scariest movie <laughs> that we've seen on in this category so far. I'm just saying. I don't know why the taking of is scary to me. No. Oh, God damn it. Do you want we- me to be honest with you, Bob? Yeah. This is probably the scariest movie in this category. Fuck. Which I like that we're starting for last. With it. Awesome. All right, let's go, Benjamin. Especially <laughs> after you're like, I like this category. It wasn't scary. Yeah, I've been enjoying myself. I mean, to be honest, The Exorcist could have been scary, mm-hmm. but you know, it wasn't for you. But it was originally the first time you watched it. I so. was seven years old. All right, so the description. A woman suffering from Alzheimer's disease agrees to be part of a documentary on her condition. Whoa. Okay. That's not what I expected. Yeah, I know. Okay, this would be cool. You ready? <gasps> Is it? Ooh. What's wrong, Bob? Is this the movie with the mirror that I saw the spoiler for? You know what I'm talking about? Where the, the dude's looking in the mirror and there's an old lady on the ceiling and she's crawling around. You know the video I showed you that I saw no. on Twitter? Okay. No. Uh. All right. Okay. 
So Sorry. it's a 2014 film. Okay, it's fairly new. That's nice. It's an hour and 30 minutes long. Bog standard. It's rated R. Thank God. <laughs> Bob's really afraid of PG-13 movies. I am. <laughs> they're, I'm so scarred. They're his bane. <laughs> they are. All right. IMDb score 6.0 out of 10. Okay. Tomato meter 91. Yo. And the audience score 49. Oh. Well, you can see how it balances, though, right? Yeah. On the IMDb. Mm-hmm. Which that's kind of like why I like the the Rotten Tomato scores. Yeah. It's because it divides them, so you get to see where they yeah where they clash. Connect. This is cool. I'm excited. So that tells me we're gonna like this movie. Probably. Or, I'm probably going to like this movie. Let me rephrase that. I like this movie. Bob is, you know, but the audience score is pretty low. Yeah, I mean, that's, that's that's below middle. Yeah, that's really low considering how high the tomato meter and the IMDb score is. I mean, IMDb score is fairly bog standard, but the Well, yeah. Tomatoes, but I mean, 91%. That's what I'm saying. That's is nuts. insane. That is in that is actually crazy. Anything in the 90s. Oh, yeah. I think anything 80 plus is like holy shit. But 90s is near perfect cuz people yeah. disagree, you know. Oh, yeah, sure, of course. It has one win for awards and seven nominations. Okay. And the win was for the I Horror Award to Adam Robitel uh for best direct release film. Okay, so this was direct uh direct video. Direct yeah. video. Okay. So, people to look out for Jill Larson as Deborah Logan. Uh, she played the manacled woman in Shutter Island. I have not seen that, but I've heard that I movie's know. fucking scary. But kind of like an extra. But yeah, that movie's, you wouldn't like it. <laughs> I've heard that's a very scary movie. <laughs> that's not a high bar, though. Nah, th- you know what? It's a very low bar, but most things exceed it. Anne Ramsey as Thera Logan. You might have seen her as Lisa Stemple from Mad About You. I haven't seen that, but I've heard, television show I've heard that that's good. It ran from 1992 to 2019. Damn, that's a long, long time. time. Yeah. Michelle Ang as Mia Medina. She's played Alex from Fear the Walking Dead and Dee Dee in For Izzy. Oh, okay. I haven't watched Fear the Walking Dead, but I I generally know about it. Yeah. And then Ryan Cutrona as Harris. So he also played Gene Hofstadt from Mad Men. I haven't seen Mad Men either, but I've heard Mad Men's very, good. very good. All right. So the director is Adam Robitel. Uh, he's also directed Escape Room and Insidious, The Last Key. Oh. Which is the last Insidious movie, by the way. Mm-mm, I don't know what's Insidious. You know how I feel about that. <laughs> it's PG-13. I know. Although he directed both of those movies after this one. Oh, okay. So, just like a heads up, different directing style. Interesting. He was still working on it. The writings are Adam Robitel, so the director, mm-hmm. and Gavin Heffernan. Uh, Heffernan also wrote Paranormal Activity. Oh, okay. The Ghost Dimension. Not the original one. Oh. One of the sequels. One of the, There are a bunch of those. I can't tell you which one that is. I have no idea. But it's it was from 2015, so. Oh, damn. Figure that out from that from that number. Budget is estimated at $1.5 so pretty, pretty solid. Low. I mean, that's more than most of the movies we watch, fucking watch. And the box office, because again, remember, this is kind of like a direct release film. Yeah. Is only $407,782. Mm. Interesting. Makes sense. Yeah, I mean, directed video doesn't really make um, that much money. When this film came out, I heard a lot about it. So oh, really? It was doing pretty good on streaming. Um, I, I was surprised you hadn't heard of this film. I don't think it's on Shutter. Is it? I don't know. I, I was, it was on Netflix. Oh, that would my okay. Yeah, in twenty fourteen, Netflix would have been Shutter the place wasn't to be. a thing yet. I don't think. I have no idea, man. But I heard stuff about it when it came out, and I've heard stuff about it since. I was just surprised you hadn't heard about it. Yeah, the name. So I I've heard the name Deborah Logan sounds familiar. But that just might be, I might just know someone with that name. It just sounds like a, a normal name. Yeah, but I the taking of was unfamiliar. There's something about Deborah Logan that just sounds super, not generic, but common. Yeah, it feels like, like 
I, if I walk it? up to someone on the street and their name was Deborah Logan, I would not question it. I would go, okay, that's your name. I've, I've heard that name before. Exactly. Like, it seems fairly normal. Country of origin, United States. Uh, it's also known as The Taking. That's the alternative title. Okay. Taglines. Ooh. Evil lives within you. Mm. Oh, no. Ugh, God right. damn it. God damn it, Benjamin. So, I don't have any post-discussion facts. I just got normal facts. Okay. Uh, right now. But the film is the feature film directorial debut of Adam Robitel. Oh, okay. So, First once thing again, figure out his style. Uh, the film released via electronic uh, sell-through on October 21st, 2014, and was followed by a release on video on demand and DVD on November 4th, 2014. Okay. I wonder if I can find this on Blu-ray. You probably definitely can. You probably. find everything on Blu-ray. Yeah, most. I mean, I just bought a movie from the 80s on Blu-ray. I think I'll find something. But that's a more pop. I mean, that's fair. Even people fucking do, like, illegal Blu-ray movies, too. Because mm-hmm. it's just, Blu-ray is technically just a format. Yeah. Now, it's a it's a format owned by Sony, but mm-hmm. it's still a, a format. Yeah. Uh, that's all I got on this film. So can I? Can you tell that I'm stressed when you I, do the I'm, whoo thing? I'm stressed out again. Like, this is the first movie in a while that I've been stressed about, you know? Yeah, which is exciting because I, I, not to say I have not been scared because I have been scared. If you listen to Emily Rose, there's some, <laughs> there's some moments where I was shitting my <laughs> pants. Yeah, for how unscary he thought Emily was Rose was overall. Yeah, there were some points during the beginning. I was absolutely... and towards the end, Ugh. the exorcism scene. I wasn't even intense, scared for that, but, but it was it's just, intense. It's cool. It's cool. I hope we get some more of that. That's what I want. But I guess we're gonna go watch this movie. We'll see you in yeah. a bit. See ya. Bye. Hi, everybody. <laughs> Bob really loved that movie. Welcome back to this. Listen, okay. I've been holding it in this whole time. What the fuck, man? Like, come on. You really you really thought that was a good idea? Yes. What the fuck is wrong? <laughs> that is the worst. I think that is the worst movie experience I've had on the show. Really? Not because it's a bad movie. Oh, my yeah, let's God. Not get that straight. Bob is just scared. What in the goddamn? Really? That's worse than, like, Terrifier or something? Oh, yeah. Way worse. Was it worse than The Strangers, even though you don't remember that? Maybe. I don't remember. <laughs> it might be. So, uh, I guess, did you think it was scary, Bob? Yeah. Uh-huh. Very. Extremely, actually. Okay. Well, that's good. Scariest shit I've ever seen. <laughs> Do you think it was very different from the other kind of possession movies we watched? Yeah, man. It was real different. It was. Oh. <laughs> I don't even want to talk about it. <laughs> Do you stand by? Like, your... I'm so like de- <laughs> I, I, I'm so emotionally demolished by this movie. I I walked away for like a couple minutes after the movie ended, and I came back, and he was just stand like staring at the screen. He hadn't moved. No, I I can't, man. It doesn't help that I'll I, I drink that beer. That's I'm just I. <laughs> Bob's just a little emotionally drained. I'm so drained. defeated by this fucking film. He was just on edge most of it, so... I'm so tired now. All right. Well, I mean, do we have any no-spoiler stuff? Fuck. Don't watch this movie. Okay. Don't watch it. It's a terrible time. It's actually not that bad. No, Benjamin. Not that bad. I, I spent most of this movie hands in the air, like, crying, basically. I didn't cry. I almost cried. This movie almost made me cry. You almost threw up, too. I did almost, Well, that was fucking foul. And you know what I'm talking about. <laughs> I didn't think like, it was that bad. <laughs> Why? Well, I, don't look at me like that. I don't want to talk about it because we're not in the spoiler section yet. I, I'm going to be real. I didn't, you know, so I knew it was going to be a possession movie going in because that's yeah. the category it's under. You know it's going to involve Alzheimer's. 
Alzheimer's because and of that. obviously old ladies. Although that seemed to surprise you. Well, no, it. I well, no, no, no. I expected her to be older. I, she was younger than I expected. Yeah, because I well, I assume she's probably what in her fifties or sixties, right? I I'm trying I'm trying to do the math, but I can't off the top of my head. Because she would have had to have been in her. She's in her sixties, I'd guess. Yeah, because I just did the math. Okay, cool. 60. So yeah, fifties or sixties, right? I expected someone. No, older. it's sixties or seventies, but it's probably sixties. But I expected someone older. That was the thing that surprised mm-hmm. me about it. I knew there was going to be an older woman, but I did not know how old she would be, and she was younger than I thought. Fair enough. I expected someone a lot older. Um, This movie really flips it on its head. Because, you know, so I'm going in, I'm like, demons, old lady. Okay, we're going to be, it's like a house possession movie. Old lady's going to be possessed. It's going to be cre- cre- creepy, scary. Keep in mind, we're still in the no spoiler section. Yeah, this okay. is, I'm, th- I'm giving you what I think it, the movie is about. Yeah. Kinda. It was, it was that for a minute. And then it really went off the rails and scared the piss yeah. out of me. Because that was the part that scared me, to be honest, was the off-the-rails parts. After we got past all that. The old lady stuff? Yeah. Because, like, that was fucking, like, a, there's a twist in this movie that I don't, I did not see coming, and it was fucking freaky. Yeah. That's all I have to say. All right. I'm done. Um, what I will say is, this is a found footage movie. I don't know if we said that. I don't we, didn't. We, we didn't. We didn't. And that was also something that surprised the piss out of me. This is found footage, so... You know, if you like that style, it's not a pseudo-documentary like we've been doing. It's no. like an actual found footage movie. And it, it almost seems reminiscent of something like Paranormal Activity. Yeah, yeah, like yeah. Like, stylistically. Because there's different found footage movies, but this one seems a lot like... Yeah, with, like, the set camera placements and stuff. And around like the house. And yeah. Then sometimes some cam stuff. A lot like Paranormal Activity. It makes sense that uh, this guy went on... To did, direct... Uh, what? Which one was it? Paranormal- did he direct Paranormal Activity? Yeah. Or was it Insidious? No, he did Insidious. Yeah, you're the right. writer worked on Paranormal Activity. Also makes That's sense. That's why it, that it fits. Um, but like you know, you you have to be prepared for that. So like if you if you like Paranormal Activity, this might be a good film for you. If you don't like that specific style of found footage or I found be footage honest, at all, I that is a qualm I have with this one. I didn't really like the found footage style. I don't either. I I, I think this movie would have benefited from not being found footage. Yes, it would have. However, like deeply. What I will say. 1.5 million budget. They really couldn't have done anything else. Mm, yeah, you're right. They had that's fair. No budget for they, no budget. Holy shit! For no budget, they stretched it out far mm-hmm. in this film. But at the end of the day, it feels like a cheap found footage film. That's why I'm saying it feels like the original Paranormal Activity. So yeah, if you don't like that movie, I'm not necessarily gonna recommend this one for you. However, if you like that movie and it makes you really scared, like it makes Bob really scared, probably works pretty well. Yeah. Um, also, uh, again, it plays around with Alzheimer's and obviously to possession stuff because that's the category it, it's in. So, yeah. like, if you want to see those two things clash together, it's interesting because it's interesting. It's that's why it went on this list is because it's not a normal possession. It's not at all. It's I. It's not even a demonic possession. Hmm. In my opinion. Yeah, so, you know, Very those cool. are kind of like my check it out stuff. As always, you should go watch it before we get into the spoilers. But uh, If you want. I can I I don't recommend it. Because it's scary or because it was bad? It's scary. Well, then that's a good recommendation, Bob. It's a horror <laughs> podcast. People want to be scared. I, I, don't, I didn't like that part of the movie. <laughs> I didn't like that I was scared, Ben. Bob's just upset because he lowered himself into a false sense of security. He was like, you know, demon movies haven't been scary. This third movie's not going to be scary. Oh, God. That's what he tells himself. I talked to him about the podcast he's like yeah the category's not scary the rest of the movies aren't gonna be scary and then he's like if the first movie's scary all of it's gonna be scary yeah man that's how that's not how this works it's simple statistics (laughs) simple statistics would tell you one of the movies has been scary it's less likely for the other two to be that scary no (laughs) all right well are you ready to get in spoilers yeah man i'm gonna do a quick breakdown here because i don't there's not a lot happening no 
uh, it's more of a reaction kind of film where, you know, this camera crew goes into this house. This woman, Sarah, and her mom, Deborah, mm-hmm. are living there. Sarah's taking care of her mom, who has Alzheimer's. Yep. And Not this, Alzheimer's yet. They say it's like, what, uh, CMI? MCI, I think. Uh, cognitive memory issues. Oh, maybe it is CMI. Uh, basically, she has early early signs of Alzheimer's it's like developing. Stage, I guess. Yeah. So it's like small stuff. It's nothing but, huge yet. Like she forgets some small things here and there. Like she'll leave stuff on on the stove or stuff like that. Nothing super. I I, I don't think she's forgotten stuff yet so much as it's like what well, she does. But yeah, it's mostly like she'll be doing something and then she'll forget what she's doing. Yeah. So nothing like it's not severe yet. Yeah. Is what like I'm getting at. The pre or early stages of Alzheimer's. Yeah. Uh, but Sarah's looking after her because she's like, at this point, she needs help. Yeah. Like, she's, she accidentally almost burnt the house down when yeah, she by... the stove on. Mm-hmm. And the, this camera crew's coming in to make a documentary about Deborah. I guess for, like, <sighs> educational reasons. Yeah, I think Mia says this is part of her... Uh, School project? Her undergrad degree yeah. as... I don't know what degree she's going for. I don't think she ever says Probably it. Probably medicine or something. Yeah, but it's basically it's a documentary to display the effects of Alzheimer's not only on the patient but on the family around the patient. Yeah, who's Sarah. For educational purposes. Um, but the idea here is that like they're going to get paid for it. Mm-hmm. There's grant money and also Mia's actually paying them with yeah. the money she has for it. And Sarah is basically has told her mom like, hey, we have to do this because Deborah wants to keep her house. Yep. They're behind on the payments. So, yeah. Anyways, the beginning of the film really just focuses on Deborah showing more classic early Alzheimer's yeah. signs. Yeah, yeah. And really what the film is, is it slowly as the days go by, because we see a day count, mm-hmm. her symptoms become less standard. I mean, I think the first, and like she becomes kind of violent <laughs> yeah. and angry. The first like sign that something's really wrong, though, is when Deborah starts hurting herself. God, dude, some of that is so gnarly. Now there's there's some minor stuff like she climbs through a a window that has some that she nailed down previously and then mm-hmm. ripped up and it tears up her back. Yeah. Or like digging in the garden with her hands in the middle yeah. of the night, which kind of muddies them, but also like scrapes them up. But the real one is at one point she tears the skin on her neck off. Oh God, Bob, what you were you expecting that to happen? No, man, and I didn't realize how mutilated everyone was gonna get. Yeah. Like I, you know. I expected some blood, but this movie's pretty gross in terms of, like, stuff we've seen. Yeah, for their budget, they do a good job with it. Because, like, and it looks good, and the thing is, it's, like, it's not over-the-top gross. It's just, it, what's the I'm looking for? It's not the amount of gross. It's the, it's how good the individual gross things look. Yeah, if that makes I mean, sense. it's just, they, they use the gore sparingly. Mm-hmm. And it's with a character we've established as, like, normal at first. Yeah. So when she gets bloodied, like, when she rips her throat and stuff like that, it's really this juxtaposition between her normal self that we see yeah. at the beginning who's really put together mm-hmm. and oh, yeah. um, at the end. I think the best sign of that is – we're getting a little sidetracked from the, the summary, but at the beginning of the story, they show Deborah, and she's very put together. She's oh, very, dressed yeah. uh, very prim and proper. Her hair's done up. Oh, yeah. Really nice. It's dyed like orange. By, like, as the film progresses, her clothes become more, like, disheveled. Yep. She starts wearing, like, less layers and stuff. Oh, yeah. Uh, but the big thing is her hair. I don't know if you noticed it. Oh, God. That was the worst part. She stops, like, dyeing it, and it also, she does less, like, hair care stuff, so it becomes more stringy and thin-looking. And also starts receding to the back of her head. Yeah. So, yeah, she rips her throat out. And that's kind of like the really turning point for the signs of yeah something is not just Alzheimer's. Yeah, because before this, it had been she misplaced things or she would like forget about stuff. It was very fairly normal. Thing. She also fairly maybe a little stuff. aggressive, but like yeah, fairly normal. From there, it's a spiral basically. It becomes less Alzheimer's and more 
possession. Mm-hmm. Eventually, she goes to the hospital a couple times because they mm-hmm. start to realize her Alzheimer's is progressing way faster than it should have. Yeah. Like, the first time they take her there, she's at a point that her doctor told Sarah she would only get at after, like, two or three years. Yeah. But what ends up happening is there's kind of this reveal that they don't think it's a possession at first. They think it's a weird Alzheimer's repressed memory. Yeah. But they think that Deborah is obsessed slash possessed with this man uh do you remember his name uh i know his last name his first name is henry yeah it's henry h-e-n-r-i yeah and his last name is d-r-d i don't know how to say d hardines d hardine is that how you say it it's french i can't pronounce it yeah basically it's this old client she used to have Mm -hmm. Uh, she was a switchboard operator for the town yep and uh, i think he was a doctor or something uh, he was a pediatrician. But back like 30 years before this is set. So yeah, so like in the 80s. The 80s, maybe. It's probably a little bit older, maybe the 70s. Yeah. D. Hardin murdered four young girls. Mm-hmm. Uh, there was a bunch of ritual stuff. Basically, he was dying of Luke, Luke Scare's disease. Yep. And he became obsessed with this like Native American ritual involving snakes. Yep. That would essentially, if he killed five girls on their first period, period. And, sacrifi- and gave their blood as sacrifice to the demon, he would gain immortality. Well, it's like a snake god or whatever. Yeah. He would um, essentially transcend his mortal coil yep. and become immortal. And at first, they obviously think Deborah's just obsessed with this guy. Yeah. Uh, at one point, she goes into the, the attic to her old switchboard and she starts uh, switching. Mm-hmm. Um, the same like code over yeah. and over again, three, which three, was seven. the code for this guy. Yep, and they think she's obsessed with him because well, he went missing. Yeah, and Deborah has this best friend Harris who lives next door, who's been iffy about the camera crew being there. Yeah, and they think that maybe Harris murdered you know this guy De Hardin mm-hmm. because he figured out that he was the one killing these girls, and so he murdered it. And then because Harris is best friends with Deborah, they covered it up together. Yep. Well, lo and behold, they figure out that no. Deborah's not obsessed with Dehardeen. She's being possessed by Dehardeen. Which was very interesting. Very interesting. Did you pick up why she's been possessed by him? Well, yeah, she was the last victim, and she killed him. And, well, the thing is, she has Alzheimer's, so it's easier for him to have possessed her, too. Well, okay, so, no. Basically, she wasn't the last victim. She was supposed to be the last victim. No. Yeah, they even say, they straight up say it. No, that's not what they say in the film. What do they say, Deborah wasn't the last victim. Okay, so, back in the 70s or 80s, whenever this was happening, uh, Dehardeen had killed... Four, four young girls, and right? And he needed one more. He needed one more. He decided to go after Sarah, Deborah's daughter, who would have been like 13 at the time or whatever. Oh, shit. Sarah finds out, uh, stabbed him in the neck with something. The spade. Uh, it's implied it might be the spade. We're not sure. Well, that's what Harris says. Oh, is it what Harris says? Mm-hmm. Yeah. He said, your, your mother's spade, your spade. That explains why she's obsessed okay. with it, too. Um, but yeah, Deborah gets, she kills Deardine, or at least she wounds him yeah. by stabbing him in the neck. Because then Harris says, they buried her alive. So apparently Deborah went to Harris, who's like yeah. her best friend and neighbor, and was like, help me get rid of this body. Mm-hmm. And so they buried it in the yard of the house. Yep, underneath the um, statue. Yeah, so that's that's what happened. Uh, I, I guess I misheard it. Well, it wouldn't make sense for Deborah to be. No, yeah, that, that you're right. It doesn't make sense with everything else. But, you know, Deborah's possessed by Deardine, and, you know, long story short, when she's in the hospital, she abducts this young girl there who has leukemia. Mm-hmm. And after, what, two attempts? She yeah. ends up taking uh, yeah, it's two. the girl out into these mines where Dehardin had done the original ritual and he yep. needs to like finish it there. They eventually chase her down. There's like a scuffle. People get <laughs> wounded. People die. A sheriff dies. And long story short, they manage to save the girl. Yeah. And they kind of like exercise 
Jardine by like burning burning his, his body his because corpse, they yeah. were able to find it and they wasn't in the yard where Deborah buried it because she hid it in the house. Yep, because she need she wanted to keep it safe because she's being possessed by the ghost of the dead man. And that's that's really the end of the movie. Well, well, I mean, there's some wrap up clips that shows that like even though the Jardine was exercised out of Deborah, she's not okay. Like no. the all the Alzheimer's was still progressed. Like oh yeah, her, it doesn't get better. Yeah. So she was already in late stage Alzheimer's because D. Hardin was essentially pushing her farther. Mm-hmm. So her brain's ruined and it just got progressively worse over the yeah. months after. And they also find that she's not like she's literally unfit to stand trial for the things that happened yeah. while she was possessed because how um she's just mentally unfit. Yeah, mentally her unfit. Alzheimer's to... has progressed so far. Yeah. The only other thing is the girl Kara is fine. Mm. She's fine. Shut up, bro. So that's kind of the summary. Yeah. I kind of thought of some discussion points while we were talking. Okay. Working on stuff. Uh, first of all, when the uh, switchboard explodes. Oh, my God. That scared the piss out of me. Did you see the face? Yeah, bro. Yeah, so there's like a... It's that not even a, couple a half times. second. Was it a couple times? Well, not this. it wasn't the same face, but something similar to that happened a couple was times. Was it later in the movie, though? Uh, when they burned the body the first time. Well, yeah, it's later in the movie. Yeah. There's nothing like that, though. It it's, does the same thing. Does it? Not the same thing, but it's it's a different face, but it's the same it's idea. It's the guy in the window, right? No. No, it's just When it actually explodes, there's a oh, fucking, well. like, a very similar, like, red, uh, red scary face that comes out of the fucking fire. Yeah, it's, uh, it's a weird snake man face. Yeah. Which is, roughly speaking, what we think the Dehardine looks like kind of now. Yeah, because, assumedly, almost completing the ritual gave him some sort of presence. It vaguely looks like... So later in the movie, in the caves, Deborah's eating the girl's head, mm. and she looks like a, a, like a, a snake, snake where she, she unhinges, unhinges her jaw. She unhinges her jaw, dude. It's fucking scary. It's kind of what the face looks like. Kind of, yeah. I don't know. I just wanted to mention that if you hadn't seen it, because it's like it's this idea that Deharding's there as like a presence. Yeah. And there's kind of that implication the movie. Throughout, yeah, like in the paintings that Deborah makes. Yeah, she's an artist, and well, she's not like all the way there because of the Alzheimer's, and also because there's this presence that's becoming more and more strong mm-hmm. as her Alzheimer's kind of locks her away in her mind yeah and the presence does the same she's still able to like how should i say escape a little bit yeah like most of deborah's creepy stuff throughout the movie is actually her like calling for help yeah it's so like it's incredibly morbid and sad (laughs) yeah so like she's making these paintings and as she keeps making these paintings a figure appears in the background and gets closer and closer to this window yeah of a specific window of the house well i think it's the window to her mind like it's getting closer and closer to Mm. taking control well the big thing is also she nails that same window shut well i think in an attempt to keep him out keep him out like yeah metaphorically yeah it's also the window outside that overlooks i think where they buried where his body. you can see the statue from that window where the where the body's buried or all her stuff freaking out about the spade is because she's trying to dig up the body so she can get rid of it yep but it doesn't yeah yeah it, it's like all her or at one point she's like mumbling into this mirror and she's like leave her alone and stuff like that and yeah it's basically all her really weird creepy stuff is deborah trying to like trying to fight back fight back i i just think that's it's well-written. Yeah, it's good. Like, you, it's not just creepiness for creepy sake. It's very sad, though. It's this. Here's my thing with this movie, now that we're in the spoiler section and we're done with, like, the, the summary. It's a very good movie, you I didn't. think. Yeah. I, no, no, like, genuinely, I think it's a very well-made movie. Yeah. The writing is good. I think the actors are... Whoever played oh Deborah God. is fucking insane. The woman who plays Deborah Logan, is, and it's Jill Larson... Oh my god, her performance is incredible. She does a great job. And I, I couldn't find like any other really, really big thing she was in except Dude. for Shutter Island. But I think it's a small role. But in this, she does so good. It is amazing. Uh, and she had to be willing to do some, some weird stuff. Like, yeah. 
She's naked for part of it, but also just like acting completely crazed and stuff. And it it she's so good at switching at a moment's notice. She'll go yeah. from fucking batshit insane and trying to kill people to calm. I, I in, 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 like serene and like almost sterile. Oh yeah. Just it, staring at nothing. It's crazy. It's awesome. Or Bob, uh, she just menaced Bob a lot. Like, she'd stare yeah. at someone and Bob would get freaked out. Yeah. I, listen, I haven't talked about it on the podcast. I have a real fear of old people. Bob's afraid of a lot of things. I'm afraid of a lot of stuff. But like, I think it's just worth mentioning. She does a really good job. Yeah. Her acting is phenomenal in this. I think all the actors are okay. Like, they're fine. No one else is very much to write home about except maybe Harris. Maybe Harris. I think Harris does a very good I job. I think he, I agree. Um, I was going to ask, what do you think about that character? So, okay. Start me with your initial thoughts and then get to the end. Harris as a character is fine. I like him. I was with this. I think he makes sense to exist in in setting, right? Yeah. And I think he mo- helps move the plot along by by being the dichotomy of everyone else in the film. Everyone else in the movie is at, at this point or later in the movie at least, is convinced like, oh, it's it's, it's something spooky is going on. So much so that a cameraman literally leaves because he's too scared. Bob he's like, I'm out. He's like, I can't do this. Harris is always like, no, Deborah's fine. She just has Alzheimer's. She needs help. Well, he's... Not he, that she's fine, but like, he is convinced like, that there's a mortal, like, normal scientific explanation for this thing. It's not even that. He's more like... His point is less that she's fine. It's more along the lines of, I don't want a camera crew here taking advantage of her. She's only gotten bad when they got here. Yeah. You need to stop. It's just, it's very, um, I don't want to say, he's not in, he's an antagonistic force, but he's not the antagonist of the film. Maybe. Right? He's kind of, I'm trying to think of the way to, how to explain this, because at first I kind of didn't like him because I was like, "Eh, he's kind of just being, well, at first he was fine. And then he kind of started fighting the camera crew and I was like, that's kind of stupid because, because of the information that we have that he does. Right, and I'm trying to sympathize with the character and be like, well, he doesn't know what's going on like the rest of them do because he's not there. Mm-hmm. But I'm also just like, come on, like this lady is an absolute fucking menace. You cannot tell the camera crew to leave; they're the ones trying to figure this shit out and fix it. But he doesn't know that, so I don't want to shit on the character for knowledge that he doesn't have because it makes sense and it's good. And I also think the fact that like the scene in the hospital, I think, is amazing personally. Like that was really cool. Like Which... all that stuff, him going to Deborah, and then the cut for what happens to him in the hospital, and then the cut to um, what is Deborah's daughter's name? Sarah. Sarah in the hospital with him. Lying to the doctor saying, he's my dad. Fair enough. (laughs) Trying to get to talk to him. I like all that stuff. I just, it's very uh, hard for me to sympathize with the character. Really? Yeah, honestly. Do you want to give you my take? Sure. All right, so I think you say he's an antagonistic force. Uh, Yeah. I would say yes in the sense that he's acting against the narrative plot, Mm -hmm. but not antagonistic as a bad force. No, yeah, yeah. I would argue that Harris is the only one who is really looking out for Jebra's well-being above everything because her daughter cares. Yeah. But her daughter is more stressed out because she feels responsible, both because it's her mom, but also because there's a mortgage on the house that they have to pay. Yeah. Harris cares because this is his best friend for over 30 years. Yeah. They be killing together. And, you know, like, he just is worried about her. Like, it's even established very on in the film. Like, he comes out and helps her Mm -hmm. most days. Yeah, he's always around around the property, yeah. Because he knows there's something wrong, and but it's his friend. You know... The first time we see him, like, being an antagonistic force is him. He pulls Sarah aside, and he goes, hey, I don't want these cameramen around here. Yeah. They're just exploiting her, and, you know, they're making it worse. And you know what? Completely fair. No, yeah, I mean, I totally see where it's coming from. You know what had happened since the camera crew got there? Her condition got two years worse. Way worse. And they exploited her. Uh, We talked about this during the film. Oh, yeah. The camera crew, super duper 
super unethical. They're oh, recording yeah, they're things they shouldn't. Really shitty. They're like sneaking up on conversations they shouldn't be recording. Yeah. Obviously, we're not supposed to see this because this is just crime scene footage. But it's still like super unethical. They're they're exploiting her, which was like that was the one thing Deborah didn't want. Yeah. And the only person who seems to care about that is Harris. I mean, even the daughter's just he. She doesn't listen to him. She's just like, I need the money. We need the money. We have to do this. They're helping. Yeah. Because at the end of the day, the camera crew isn't helping Deborah. No. They're helping Sarah. I mean, Sarah feels with the camera crew because the camera crew's making her feel better about the whole situation. <laughs> and I, I mean, I it goes to the point where Harris is even like, I will sell my things. Like, he's he has a tractor and yeah. he's a car, and he's like, I'll sell those things to help pay for the house, mm-hmm. which he doesn't have to do because yeah. he's just, like, that uncomfortable with them being there. Okay. And Counterpoint. Oh, actually, finish your statement, then I'll have a counterpoint. I'm not done yet. But okay. I'll, I'll do one more thing before you do your counterpoint. I think partially, like, the reason you empathize with the camera crew is because the camera crew is also the outsider coming into this situation. Mm, and you, I see. You immediately empathize with the person that's the most familiar. Yeah, that explains why I like Luis so much. <laughs> and so, like, the camera crew's coming into this situation. They have no emotional depth. They don't care. This is a random stranger that's going crazy. Yeah. You don't care. So you're the camera crew. I often it threaten helps to punch like Deborah them. in the face. Yeah. So it's hard to look at the camera crew that you you identify with as like bad people mm, yeah. when you would do the exact same things in that situation. In fact, I'm going to be honest, Bob, you were a lot more violent in your suggestions than the camera crew actually is. I was telling the cops to shoot her. I was like, just fucking blow this lady away. <laughs> All right. Uh, what was your counterpoint? While I agree with you with Harris, it like he's the only one that really gives a crap about her condition and her state of mind and stuff. Do you think he's willing to sell his things? Not because he wants to help keep the house for Deborah's sake, but for his own sake, because he knows there's a corpse buried in the backyard. And if that comes back to either of them, they're doomed. Oh, no, I, I think it's that's irrelevant. Really? Yeah. Both him and Deborah are old. Yeah. Like bare minimum. Late 60s. Mm-hmm. I'd guess probably in their 70s. He's probably a little bit older. Yeah. He looks a little bit older. He does. They committed this crime 30 years ago. Maybe that would be valid if they did it 10 years ago, mm-hmm. maybe 15. It's 30. They go to prison. They're only going to prison for a couple of years. Mm. Like, Interesting. Not that bad. Additionally, I'd like to point out, Deborah murdered him. That's or, true. Even if they did maybe bury him alive. He's less culpable. Fair. I guess is my point. He just helped okay. hide this crime. But the thing that really tells me that like his concern is Deborah and not like hiding this body is all the uh assisted suicide stuff oh so we god. mentioned the scene in oh the hospital god. basically deborah asks him to kill her yeah he she he visits her this, in the hospital this he is leans when over. she's like almost all the way gone oh yeah it's the last time she's in the hospital right before she abducts the kid for the second, second time, time which is the last time and he'd like ask, are you sure she's like yeah and he grabs a pillow and starts snuffing her snuffing smothering her smothering her yeah and um a tv flies off and hits him in the back and Maybe kills him. It's, it's yeah, unclear. we don't know what happens to him after that. But more than that, previously in the movie, probably like a couple days or weeks earlier, he had come to the house like really, really drunk with a oh, shotgun yeah. shooting stuff. My close reading of this situation is that he and Deborah were kind of aware that something funky was happening with, what's the guy's name? D. Hardeen's? D. Hardeen. Mm-hmm. I think they were aware something was going wrong. Um, Interesting. Which, besides the fact that they like were exploiting her, Mm-hmm. Might be why he didn't want the camera crew there because it was making it worse. Yeah, I because we keep seeing throughout the movie that him, Harris, and Deborah would go places and talk by themselves. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and it would make sense that you know Deborah's more lucid and in control when she's around like her best friend. Mm-hmm. That yeah, that makes sense. My reading of the film is that he came to the house with a shotgun, intent to kill her, and he was really drunk because like that's he that's knew he tough. had to do it. Yeah, so he got really drunk because he was like upset and then she's not there she's the hospital right well, 
she, she wasn't there yet, I don't think. I think she was still in the hospital. Maybe. But point being, I think he was really drunk and he kind of forgot. Yeah. Because I think he knew he had to do it. And he eventually comes to the hospital. And I think that's why he was checking up on her in the hospital. Is because I bet sometime in the film that we didn't get to see. Because even when Deborah's more lucid, she knew something was like taking her over. We yeah. see the figure. Mm-hmm. And so I bet Deborah asked him, hey, like I don't want to ask you to do this, but if I get more and more gone, you take care of me. Interesting. I hadn't really considered that. Hmm. <laughs> Anything else on Harris? No. All right. Uh, last point I want to talk about because I, I didn't really have notes for this, but yeah, I, I don't really know how much I want to talk about this film. I mostly want to talk about other stuff other than the plot because like we can unpack this for a while. It's not I wouldn't say it's like super. It's, nah, super it's a straightforward deep. film. It's very straightforward, but there's stylistic stuff that I really want to discuss. Yeah, I guess the last thing involving the film, the ending with the girl. Fuck off. Did Straight you get up. that? Yeah. Fuck what? you, camera crew. <laughs> Fuck you, writer, director, whoever. Oh, yeah, so... Because, like, I was like, by the time... First of all, I was like, oh, my God, are we going to get a, a horror movie with a happy ending? Fuck no. Oh, Deborah's gone. Deborah. Well, not even that. Just, like, the it has been resolved. You know what I mean? And there's no more bullshit. They burnt the body. It's implied that... Deherdeen's like dead. That he has been exercised and his soul or whatever has been sent to the afterlife and he's been and It shows you clips of the girl who had leukemia and, and they're like, but she's fully recovered now months later. A miraculous recovery that no one thought was possible. Yep. And she's getting an interview and the guy's like, what do you want to do when you're older? She says, I don't know. And he's like, do you have any plans? <laughs> she's like, it's a secret. And then she yep. looks at the camera and smiles. Bob, what, what does that mean? Well, implying that D. Hardeen was exercised from Deborah and entered the, the, the weak Kara because she has leukemia. And one of the things that an anthropologist that they talked to earlier in the film said was, it, when someone is sick and or weak. Or young. Or, or young old. or old. Or uh, what was the other one? Uh, it's infirm that's sick or weak. Infirm, yeah. They're more susceptible to possession from spirits. Yeah. Also, you know, Deborah had her, like, head half in her mouth. Yeah, so um, implying that Kara now has the spirit of D. Hardeen's within her and is going to try and complete the ritual later. Well, yeah, did you did you get the the cameraman asked her what are you going to do when you 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 get older? Yeah, she says I don't know because D. Hardeen's plan is like yeah when she not gets to her get first old. period yeah well it's not even that his plan is to be immortal yeah so he's never going to get old and then the what are you going to do it's a secret that's yeah um, yeah I mean that's kind of the discussion points uh, I guess we can get into style oh my god I didn't like the found footage style me either it it sucks and it makes me so mad because this is such a cool movie otherwise it's not bad no see i am on the other i think it's bad no like it's not bad like the film's okay it's watchable like it doesn't ruin it but the film could have been so much better yeah i completely agree because like the thing is it this movie is so cool because it takes you on a journey that I was not expecting. It surprised the shit out of me with all the snake stuff, you know what I mean? And all the stuff with the Hardine. Like, you don't really unpack that until later in the film. If this had just been, like, a film about Sarah, like, going home to look after her mom or something. Yeah. Or maybe, like, a nurse called in. Maybe. To help. I, it it would have been so much better. Yeah, I don't. Would... The camera crew doesn't really add much to the movie either. Like, the only thing they're there for is to be scared. Well, they're there to be an outsider. That's why I said you could have a nurse. Yeah. But I, just the, the found footage style, I, I think it could have worked better as a narrative because a lot of it is, narratively speaking, I don't know, deeper. Yeah, I, I agree. And I also think, like, the fact that it's found footage led them to do some really fucking shitty tropes with the cameras. And it pissed me off. Like what? The fucking constant flickering of the lights and the fucking constant hard cuts on the cameras. Oh, and it makes a sound that scares you? No, it's not even that. I just, it, it is, it's cheap. It feels cheap. It feels cheap as shit. And the fact that, like, that is my only complaint is that the found footage style. Like, it's not, it does not lend itself to this film very well. And I think it detracts no. from the narrative. It's a, it's a great concept for a movie of this idea of, you know, mental illness and that relation to possession. 
But I, not like, I agree. Not playing with it in the same way that Emily Rose plays with it, but playing with it in the idea that like they can be intermingled. Mm-hmm. I think that's really cool. That's why I chose this movie. Yeah. I think it's a really cool concept. It just there's something lost with being a found footage film because I am okay with found footage films as like a concept. I think this is the first one I've ever seen, by the way. We know we've watched a bunch on this. We've watched a lot of found footage on this podcast, Bob. What are the f- Wreck? Oh, I guess Wreck, yeah. Wreck two? Those are good movies. Every film in my category? Though I wouldn't consider those found footage. Those are found footage. Mm. I like to make the distinction. I, I I said this on the first episode, but we've watched a lot of found footage on this podcast. I guess, I guess this is the first one that's really rubbed me the wrong way then. Yeah, because uh, I like to make the point of found footage is like a style, and it's it's a style that can work really well if it's used properly. But at the same time, it's a style that has a benefit of being very, very cheap. So I think this film used it because they couldn't have made this film as like a regular film. Which sucks. With their budget. Which sucks. And so that's why I'm giving the pass for doing it. Yeah. However, I think this is a good demonstration of why found footage can be bad because yeah you can make a film for really cheap that shouldn't be a found footage film but you do it anyways and it, it can really ruin what could be an otherwise very great plot and that's the problem I with think, a lot of found footage is most of it tends to not be good i think that this movie has it, the writing is phenomenal in my opinion because like the setup for the movie some of the dialogue's not great but it, some of the it's dialogue, okay but see i think some of the dialogue's not great but it's the dialogue for, with the fucking camera crew it is actually i know that's what i'm crew. saying like i the, if you remove the camera crew from this situation and I think I agree with you. If it was just Sarah coming home to take care of her mother, or if it was an at-home nurse or something, it adds such so much more of a layer of connection between the person that we're following and Deborah. Yeah. Because the camera crew, they don't give a shit about Deborah, really. They're just there to be scared. Their dialogue is middling at best. They don't add a lot to the movie, and I just think you're just upset that it was found footage when it could have been something else. Yes, because I can, I could see, I perceiving it, I can see that it could be so much better yeah. if it were shot in a different way. Like I'm talking, even just like simple, like not even just steady cam shots, man. Just something like give me anything other than the just found making footage it stuff. A normal film. Just make it a normal movie, and if you they could have done that, I think this would have honestly knocked it out of the park for me i mean yeah it's again i i give them a pass because i think they had to but it's sad to look at the film and be like what could it have been because the the twist from like her slow dissension into possession is really really good and sad and sad and if this movie had been taken away from the fan footage is more of a like the exorcist a very somber movie yo this would be yeah it could really 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 be good i mean i think the only benefit besides like budgetary stuff that the found footage does well is it it can help with some jump scare stuff yeah it that which is can fair. get frustrating because it's a very cheap Sometimes. Well, that's what I got sick of is the fucking the the cut to static in the dark and then cut to face. But it's sometimes like, just the the ability to like cycle between cameras and then mm-hmm. have something change actually, works well. I did like the use of the security cameras. That yeah. was cool. That's the good stuff. I'm not a big fan of the handheld stuff they did. Like there, there's not them having use found footage isn't a problem so much as the idea that this film feels like it was supposed to not be found footage yeah and then they kind of forced it to be i think it's the fact that the the style of the the style of the movie and the actual narrative narrative are clashing really hard for me i kind of have a theory about why that might be Hmm. interesting so the director of this also wrote it right Mm -hmm. but there's a second writer who also worked on paranormal activity or he went on to work on paranormal that makes sense now you mention it I think he he went on to work on Paranormal Activity, though, after this film. Yeah, because this came out in 2014. I think the Paranormal Activity movie came out in 2015. Yeah, 2015. So a year later. Um, Although, who knows when they were doing production. But my thought process here is that maybe the director, Mr. Adam Robitel, 
wrote this as like a normal movie script and then called this other guy on to help him make it into a found footage film. So parts where we feel like there's this clash, like the camera crew mm-hmm. stuff with like the normal like narrative stuff, there might be that clash because they came from different perspectives. Yeah. Like one writer was in charge of like took the script and made it found footage mm-hmm. and it was originally not written that way. Yeah. Which I would just... make sense to me because that's the director who, you know. Yeah, I just, it really, it makes me sad because I... Bob's just upset. I'm just upset because, like, this movie is very scary, first of all. I think fucking shitting. It's it's really, really scary. But also, it's just a really good movie otherwise. Yeah. In my opinion. You know what I mean? Well, the idea is great. It's the just, idea is really the good. The execution is lacking. Lacking. Um, yeah. You glad it was on the podcast? Yeah. Kind of different. It was different. I liked it. I I probably would never watch it again. Fair enough. Do you have Do you have anything else to talk about, or do you want to go um, into the rating? I can talk about it in my rating. Well, in my explanation. So okay. We'll go to the rating. I guess before we do the rating recommendations, I if you like found footage movies, I guess you could watch it. I'm, I'd say if you like paranormal activity. Paranormal, acti- yeah, like I've never seen those, so I don't activity. know. That's not for me, you know. I think if you want a a wild possession movie, this is a really cool possession movie. Like, mm-hmm. I, it's a very unique possession movie because, like I said before, it's not a demon; it's a ghost or a spirit. It's not. It's not like the other two we watched. It's not explicitly demonic. Yeah, it's not a ghost anymore. It's something. It's something else. Something else, which is cool, right? Like that's cool to me because it, it meant that we didn't have the. Um, you don't necessarily know. Yeah. It just meant that we didn't have the the Priest. stigma of like priests, Catholic yeah. Catholicism. That wasn't a part of this movie, really. There was a part where Sarah asked a priest to exercise her mom, but the priest was like, "We don't fucking do that anymore." That's unscientific. <laughs> unscientific. So he was like, "Can't do it," which is cool. I like that they nodded at it, but I like that it was not a main plot point of the movie. Right? It's different. It's cool. If you want a scary old woman movie, fantastic. That is something that I am terrified of, and this movie does a really good job of making me scared. Fair enough. Uh, any other recommendations, Bob? Uh, not off the top of my head. I don't think I have any more. So, my recommendation, I guess, if you like found footage, this might be a film to check out. However, I would say specifically if you like the paranormal activity style of found footage, the early paranormal activities. Because it's a very distinct, like, cheapness to it. Yeah. But also in the sense, like, this movie feels like a lot of the plot involves the found footage cameras. Yeah. Like, there, if you remove the cameras, well, there's a narrative in the background of this one that Bob is, I think, disappointed didn't get fleshed out. Mm-hmm. A lot of what progresses the plot is the found footage cameras. No, well, that's what I'm saying. Like, I, I I enjoy their use of the actual security cameras in the house and stuff, but I think the handheld stuff is whatever. I don't know. It, it feels stylistically a lot like uh, the original Paranormal Activity. And um, I mean, if you like that film, check this one out. If you're looking for a good found footage film, though, I I don't know if I would necessarily recommend this one. Uh, my other big recommendation, though, is if you want to look at a film that deals with like mental health, but also like some weird like supernatural forces involved with that, it's a good film for that. There's not really a lot in that vein. Yeah. Um, and then the last one, and probably the biggest recommendation for this film, because it, it middles around a lot, old people. If you're afraid of old people, yeah. if you think like old people like uh, sundowning and doing creepy stuff in their houses is scary, huh. uh, check this one out because th- she that- does a killer job, man. Her performance is like yeah, she does a great job. Like the it's one amazing. thing I can say about this film without like having any detractions for it is the actor for Deborah Logan is does it's a master class. She dude. does a phenomenal job. I mean. Jesus Christ. Joe Larson just gives it her all. Um, Phenomenal. So if you just want that, if if old people doing scary stuff entertains you, go watch this film because that'll get you there. Oh, yeah. You, you Like, you can have problems with everything else, but you'll still enjoy your time watching it. Yeah. Um, so that's my recommendation. Do you want to do uh, ratings now? Do you want to go ahead? Yeah. So here's my thing. I want to rate it higher than I'm about to because I, I see... I'm nodding. <laughs> 
I see the foundation for a fucking awesome movie. But the found footage stuff, I can't get over it, man. Uh-huh. I don't want to say it. I feel bad. Two and a half. Two and a half. Yeah. I. This movie is so fucking cool otherwise. Okay. And I just can't get over the way the found footage impacts the narrative. You just think it ruins it? Yeah. On, honestly, I, I think everything else about this movie is so fucking awesome. And it makes me really, really sad that I have to give it a low rating. Because the package at which it, in which it is delivered is so poorly done. Fair. It's so hard to like. It's so hard for me to justify giving it a higher rating with how... Because it's scary. It's good. I like the performance from most of the actors. The dialogue is fine. The dialogue is good other than the actual, like, people on the camera crew. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Why'd you give it a two and a half and not a two, though? Because it's... uh, I like everything else. Okay. I'm... Everything else about this movie makes me... Makes me sad that I can't even give it a three. Okay. You know, I was kind of in that in-between between between, uh, two and three as well. Yeah. But I'm going to go with the two. Not even a two and a half. Two. Yeah. Because, like, I think what I'm trying to starting to figure out is I like to do these from a really preset judging list. I think you tend to be more objective. Okay. Or I tend to be more objective and you tend to be more like how you felt about it. Yeah. Which I think works out really well. So we get a kind of a mix of ratings. Sure. But for me, this film set out with a concept that was like possession, but we're going to link this into uh, Alzheimer's and we're going to show like the intermingling of those and how like basically mental health issues can destroy a family. Because at the end of the, the day, yeah, there's a demonic possession, but it's really just a hard-coded, what's the word? Uh, it's like a hard-coded analogy for Alzheimer's. Yeah. Really? Mm-hmm. Like yeah. It, it's demonic possession, but they're just talking about mental illness. Yeah. That's a pretty hard concept to deal with. Oh, yeah. And when they deal with it well, they deal with it really well, but... <laughs> Going back to the beginning of this podcast, it's like that director, when he's talking about remaking The Exorcist. Yeah. When you decide to deal with, like, when you set out and say, this is the concept I'm going to tackle, mental health, and, like, through the vase of a possession movie. Yeah. You're setting yourself up, not necessarily for failure, but for, like, a hard task ahead of you. It's, that's a tough subject. And I think that's what this film did. It, it, it set a high bar for itself, and it, it would have to do a lot to meet it and maybe it could have done those things if it had been like a normal style movie yeah but it it wasn't and not only does like the found footage aspects take away from the serious of the film the seriousness of the film like that it would need for this yeah um but i think it detracts from it in a lot of cases and so like i just i don't think the film was able to reach the point it set out with yeah which to me it would be a three mm-hmm. so i think it's just a two like it it wasn't like an awful film no like it, it, it didn't <sighs> have no positive sides which would be a one it rips my heart out that i have to give it a shitty rating to be honest but it's a two like i i think if it had been found footage but it had still like done a good job and not been cheesy it probably could have been a two and a half but yeah. it's because it does some cheap things with the filming not just cheap budgetary wise but just cheap like jump scares with the channel cracking yeah when it doesn't need to and stuff like that it, it just takes away from the energy of the concept and the it, rest of like the energy of like the rest of the film the tone of the film it just there's a cheapness to the choice of found footage that isn't just for budgetary restrictions it feels like trying to appease to a, a cheaper audience like yeah it, it feels like the director made or wanted to make like a high class film and they totally could have but then just decided to make like something that you'd put on Netflix in the bottom of the barrel kind of thing. Yeah. I and it it, it evens out like it's not horrible. Like it, this isn't bottom of the barrel. I mean no. it went on the podcast because I think it's interesting to talk about, but it definitely isn't like amazing. So, two. 
Yeah, I, I think the big thing for me, and I think this is attributed to the fan footage style, is there are a lot of shots where it's just like a cheap jump scare cut away to like Deborah's face or something. If this hadn't been fan footage, I don't think we would have gotten a lot of that. And I think if it had, basically, I think the beginning of this film was really good because it's slow and it's, if they'd have been a lot slower. Yeah. In her, like, d demonic, or her, into her possession. I think this, it just, it escalates too quickly for me. I want more time with her normal to see the sort of change in the progression, right? Because, like, it basically, it just flips almost instantly. It's like, the first time she becomes violent, she becomes really violent really fast. I, I think that's fine to show her fast progression. I, I think the point you're trying to get at is maybe what I, I said earlier, where it's, it's not the fact that this is found footage that really hurts the film. It's the way they do their found footage. Yeah. I mean, the fact that, like you said, I don't think we've watched any found footage movies on this podcast shows that, like, found footage can be very different. Yeah. Tonally. And this is just a very unserious kind of tone. Yeah, it, it's... The the style at which they've chosen to do the found footage is very unserious in a very serious movie. Or it, at least very with serious a serious narrative. narrative. And it, it clashes so hard, and it makes it so hard for me to... To like it. And if it had done a different style of found footage, I think it could have been a two and a half or even higher. Yeah. But it's not. It's that very, again, the closest thing I can liken to is that early paranormal activity movie. But, you know, but I uh, thought it was a good film to throw on here. <laughs> I, it's, I, I will say this. We get to see something that isn't just really, really good found footage. It is, a, I would consider this a good movie mm -hmm. overall. Yeah. I mean, even though we're giving it a two, a two and a half, which is below halfway. <laughs> yeah, I still think it's a good movie. It scared the shit out of me. It's The concept is cool. The plot is definitely interesting because I didn't really expect the whole... Because going in, I, you know what I expected? Creepy old woman in-house possession movie. Yeah, right? That's what not. I wanted. And it's not that. Because there, there's depth, there's layers to the film that, that you can't un really unpack using the found footage style. They're just muddled. And it makes me sad <laughs> because it could be really cool. Yeah. That's just how films are sometimes. And it's good to see, um, especially because I think we've had a good relationship with what is a very controversial genre overall because it's usually not very good. Yeah. Um, Damn it. But that's that's all I got. I guess you want to go to the uh, the outtakes? Yeah, I guess we'll, uh, we'll head to the outtakes, Benjamin. All right, we're going to go now. Hello everyone, welcome to the outtake section for this episode of Beware the Board. I hope you enjoyed our review of The Taking of Deborah Logan. I don't have a lot to say about this movie, so without further ado, let's get into the first outtake. This first one comes to us from before the movie. It's my reaction to the poster, as well as, well, let's just say I got really freaked out before the movie even began. Oh, that's nice. Do you want to see the cover? Are is it, can I see it? Like, is it, is it going to spoil something, or is it, are you calling legal? It's, it's up to you. It's legal. It's not All gonna right. spoil Should I open my eyes? Yeah. Okay. <gasps> oh no 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 no! I'm telling you right now, I don't like old women. I don't like old people. Old people in movies are fucking scary. This is not gonna be good, Ben. I'm telling you right, goddamn now. I'm going to shit my pants. You'll be fine. I'm also a little drunk off one beer. Well, look, it's unrated. I don't drink. What? Well, have you eaten anything today? I had some McDonald's earlier. Oh. Well, that that helps. It does help. I was like, I haven't eaten. <laughs> you know, you've had a beer. <laughs> I had a beer. I almost. I, just yeah, I should have asked you if bar. you had breakfast yet, because I was gonna get something for you, if, but I didn't text you. I forgot. All right, uh, close your eyes again, just in case. <laughs> this movie, Ben. <laughs> Did you not realize it was about old ladies? No, I know I it's about old timers? ladies, but I didn't. I was hoping the old lady wasn't the possessed one. 
Obviously, the old lady is the possessed one. I know, one. but I was hoping. It's called the taking of Deborah Logan. Oh, by the way, you can open your eyes now. It's playing. Oh, shit. <sighs> oh, my God. The remote's not working. Stop panicking. I'm scared. I don't. I, this is not an express fear that I've talked about on this podcast. I'm genuinely so scared of old people. Like, I think they're so creepy, dude. Right, close captioning. The following film includes a partly edited medical documentary, outtakes, and surveillance footage from the scenes of the crime. The crime? This next clip is my reaction to the first of many, many, many jump scares delivered by Deborah Logan, as well as my reaction to a snake in the house for some reason. This is sad. Yeah. Alzheimer's kind of sucks. Yeah, man. Not to say, oh, this is going to sound bad. I was going to say, I got lucky and all my grandparents died before they got Alzheimer's. No, all, all my dad's side of the family has it. Really? Yeah. No, old man Ben's going to be a hoot. Old man Ben's going to die. <laughs> is that a fucking snake? Oh, shit, lady. God damn, fucking pop it up in front of the camera like that. This next clip is our reaction to Deborah committing her first act of self-harm. You old woman. Uh-uh. Uh-uh. You're scaring me. Oh! Oh my god, what the fuck? Huh? What? Did she just rip her... That's fine, Bob. Don't worry about it. <laughs> don't look at me like that. I don't like this. This is what I expected from demons. And now we're getting it. Now I'm fucking terrified. Maybe it's not demons. Oh, it's... maybe it's just Alzheimer's. Maybe she ripped her throat out because of Alzheimer's. That makes sense. Actually, that, yeah. Oh, really? I don't know a lot about it. Like I said, all my grandparents are dead. I mean, not really, but, like, potentially. This next clip is a short conversation Ben and I had during the movie about how unethical the crew was being by invading the privacy of Deborah and her daughter, as well as a small jump scare involving a mirror. Dude, okay, like, I get they're a documentary crew or whatever, but they are really creeping around this woman's oh, house. Oh, I know. It's stalking the shit out of her. They are an unethical documentary crew. Very unethical. I mean, did you see them spying on the the mom and the having a moment? Yeah, yeah, yeah. They shouldn't be doing because, like, shit. ideally, this would have been a documentary like for educational purposes. Mm -hmm. So it wouldn't include this footage. Yeah, it's just the documentary crew just being unethical and peeping. Yeah, they need to. Don't do not, lady, lady, lady. No, 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 no. Oh, who, who, who. Hi, this is... I can't handle this. This next clip is Ben making fun of the way I get scared, followed by our reaction to Deborah skulking around the house in the middle of the night with a hammer. Yo. Yo. Mm-mm. Ah! What is it? What is she doing? That's not... No, no, no. Bob's having an orgasm. That's ew, bro. <laughs> That's what it sounds like. That's you, you've never come in your life. 
<laughs> oh, this old woman. No, you know that scene from Forrest Gump where he's mocking the guy no. having sex oh, with his mom? Oh, God, yeah, uh-huh. <laughs> it sounds like that. Oh, no, 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 lady. Please don't. Does she have a hammer? Oh, light. Just came back porch light. <laughs> she She may have a hammer. Oh, at least, okay. Now I'm not as stressed. There's another person here. This next clip is our reaction to Deborah Logan having an absolute meltdown and assaulting one of the cameramen. Oh, oh my God, what the fuck? Uh, this, why, why is this old lady so angry all the time? She is such a mad woman. I don't... Nope. She, like, fucking assaulted the camera. This next clip is our reaction to another one of Deborah Logan's freakouts. This time it takes place in the hospital. Oh my god, what the fuck? Why does she keep skinning herself? This, now she's growling. This is not, no, mm-mm. <laughs> Bob got so scared he threw off his beanie. <laughs> Like this. <laughs> this movie's scary. <laughs> oh God! I threw my beanie because it's hot in here. Mm-hmm. Likely story. <laughs> if, oh God, damn it! I want to punch this old lady in the face. <laughs> Don't punch the Alzheimer's patient, Bob. It's not Alzheimer's. <laughs> it's Alzheimer's. This is no fucking way, Benjamin. <laughs> Don't be mean to the disabled. Uh, oh, oh, thank God. Bob's into punching sick people. That's not true. <laughs> That's not true. That's the terminally not true. ill are hated by Bob. I uh, know. I'm just into punching people who are possessed by demons. Okay. I, I, I'm going to pick up my beanie now. Why is she fucking shrieking like a cat in heat? Oh my god, she doesn't have any pants on. <laughs> what the fuck? This is crazy. This next clip is another scare by Deborah Logan just being a creepy old woman in a room full of sheets. <gasps> mm -mm, no, get the fuck. I hate sh movies with sheets. <laughs> sheets in movies are never a good goddamn sign. Nah, it's fine. No, it's not, Benjamin. It's not like there's anyone under the sheet. Now, not like there's anyone standing under that sheet specifically. Because there is definitely an old woman somewhere in this room. Why would you ever say that? Duh. Ah. Oh, okay. We're good. Oh. It's a painting of the window. Yeah. With the shadow monster. Oh, man it's getting thing closer. That we saw earlier in the, her other early, earlier paintings. That one's got blood on it. That one, this lady definitely has issues. Don't, don't say that, Bob. It's mean. Dude, she fucking started skinning herself earlier. Maybe she was too hot. Yep. Oh, did you see that one down there? Uh-huh. Yeah, I did. Ben ah. Sometimes you just get hot, and you gotta, like, take the extra layer off. Uh-huh. Ah! Fucking old lady! Letting all my heat out. Oh, and she used 
Si so she has telekinesis. She just popped that window with the cross on it. That's really cool. This next clip is our reaction to, while possessed, Deborah getting butt naked, wandering upstairs and messing with her old switchboard, and then it explodes. <laughs> Look at Kevin! He's like hiding. I would be hiding too. This is scary. I thought there was Lewis. No, Lewis is the dude behind the camera. Mm. Gavin's the other dude. Well, that's fair. Who's making a sandwich? Hey! <sighs> Please tell me she got dressed while she was in that closet. Because <laughs> I don't want to see a naked old woman. Like, at all. I'm not. I, I, I. Uh, huh. Why does this bitch have three closets? No, 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 no. No, 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 no. Ah. <laughs> brown guy to go first? Yeah, they do. God damn it. <coughs> this old lady's probably racist. Well, no, actually, she hasn't been racist so far. Oh, what's that? Oh, that's skin. Dude. <laughs> the shit ain't right. Lewis is correct. The shit ain't right. The shit ain't... That's the name of the episode. The shit ain't right. We can't put shit in there. This stuff... Oh, you she's could, naked. You could do... You want the brown guy to go first. <laughs> she's she's butt-ass naked. Ah, uh, she ripped all the curtains off stuff. Oh, God. Oh, God. Oh, now she's crying. That's not good. Oh, she's asking for someone to help her. That's really cool. What's the sound, Bob? I don't know. Holy fuck! This next clip is our reaction to Sarah and the remaining members of the crew finding D. Hardeen's corpse in the attic of the house. But let's just say there wasn't only a corpse in the bag. <laughs> Fucking daughter's brave, you know. Like you know what's in there. I, uh, I, I. Okay, that's not gross. That's not that bad. Uh, I a, was afraid I was gonna throw up. It's a black putrefied corpse. Yeah. What I'm worried about is where the fuck is Deborah? She's at the hospital. <laughs> is she? Yeah. Throw it in the fireplace. You can't burn it on the fucking floor. At least put it in the fireplace. They, okay. they are. Bob, it's a fireplace. They have to get it set up. It's a wood fireplace. Oh. Hissing. Snakes. No, no, no. I wouldn't. No, just throw it in the fire. If it's a snake. Ah! It's a fucking snake, you do. Why are there so many? Ah. There's a lot of snakes. And I don't know if they're venomous or not. They're black. So maybe? I don't actually know. Uh, those look like rat snakes. Like a king snake or something. Hi, everybody. Welcome back from the outtakes. I'm sure there were a few that movie scared Bob's the still shit out of me. Annoyed about the movie. Yeah, I'm mad about it, but whatever. We'll get over it. Any announcements, Ben? Yeah, uh, we're releasing a Mardi Gras episode. Surprise! Oh yeah, it's coming Woo! out on the twenty first. Twenty first. 
Yeah, I believe. Yeah, 21st. Tuesday. So look out for that. Yeah, that'll be exciting. I, I'm i really curious what we're going to watch, actually. Because I don't know any Mardi Gras movies. I don't know a lot about Mardi Gras in general. It's I know it's like ki- a it's New kind Orleans of a thing. Stretch. Yeah, well. My my uh, my uh categories were it's just Louisiana. <laughs> <laughs> Hopefully New Orleans. That makes sense. That's fun. So, you know. Watch out for that episode. <laughs> I think that's all I got, though. Oh, okay. Uh, be sure to follow us on Twitter at Beware the Board. It's where I post everything about the show, updates, links to the episodes when they go live, polls. Basically, if you want to know anything about this show, it goes on our Twitter. Uh, every Monday, I will post spoilers for the following episode on Friday, so that you know if you want to watch the movie before you watch it, you can do that. Check us out on YouTube. Yeah, if you haven't already, uh, you might have forgotten. I know how forgetful you guys can be. Oh goddamn it! Go, uh, you know. Like, comment, subscribe, stab that subscribe button with a, I don't know, like a spade or something. Just really, <laughs> really get up in there and uh, just bury us with likes and comments afterwards. But, you know, check us out there. Eventually, we'll be on Spotify and wherever you get your podcast. Yep, eventually. But not right now. Not as of recording this episode. Maybe by the time it goes up. If you have any recommendations for the random category on the board, leave those in the comments below. Let us know because we need them. They're required for us to do the show. Or I could just pick a second category and have fun. Or that. I don't want that, considering how bad his category has been this time. If you have any movies that you want us to watch on the show, leave them in the comments. Because you know what? Ben can sift through those and find movies. Maybe there's something you've heard of that's awesome that Ben's never heard of, and we could watch it. Help me with my watch list. Help him out. Um, let me think. I think that's that's about it. So I guess we'll see you next week, everybody. And remember, always... Beware the board.